Here we go. And it's on. Woo! (laughs) Okay. Meredith and Lars reunited and it feels so good. Um, Larissa May is an incredible person that I am very excited to introduce you all to. She is the founder of Half the Story. I just pulled my daughter in to just meet her quickly because I see her as such a role model that I want young women to know about. She runs this incredible nonprofit that she started in undergraduate, like during your college years, which is half the story means what we show on social media, which is a very intentional part of our story. What is the other half? What's going on behind the scenes? Did I summarize that well? (laughs) Yes, you did. That was, it was brilliant. (laughs) For those of you who are not watching on video. I feel like I need to do one of those like text description moments of what you're wearing, which is, I was just telling Lars that she is beloved by Pinterest where I work. Um, but she is wearing a incredible Pinterest esque shirt of many flowings. Like it's sort of like pirate shirt upon pirate shirt. Like what's the name? Batshiva. Is that the name of that one stylish? Anyway. Yeah, and I call it my creative turkey shirt because I feel like a turkey, but also kind of like an artist. <laughs> and fashion is part of your background, right? Like yeah. that was part of your world. And there are so many things I know about you, but there are so many connections I still want to make. So can we, and this is why I wanted to be able to talk to you in this way. Can we go back in time a little bit yeah. to who Lars was like early college years? Oh, yeah. Oh man. And I've been thinking about that a lot lately because so much of what we do, even so much of who I am now, I knew who that person was when I was a child. And it's interesting how so many of us think we have to grow up and go on these other paths. And when you stray from being who you are, you wind up either doing that and maybe not being happy or you don't, and then you go back to who you are. And so for me, I call this like a rebirth of who I am. And when I was a freshman in college, I was really confused. I was, you know, just out of high school. I had moved to to Nashville. I was like, you know, I want to get out of the Midwest. My goal is to be a New York girl or a California girl. And I I was such like a girl from, you know, the middle of the United States that had big city dreams. And me too, sister. Yeah. And Toledo, Ohio here. Yeah. Right. And, and, you know, part of that, for me, when I was in college, I found social media as my way to kind of get myself out of this Midwestern girl mentality. I was the girl that was like, sure, I'm going to wear, you know, (laughs) I'm going to have the extra thick eyebrows. I'm going to have the outfit that everyone is turning their head at at the airport because I've always just been different and I've never fit in. And when I got to college, Lars, you're also very beautiful and tall. Like I imagined the like tallness, which I didn't realize until we finally met in person. I was like, whoa, that is a presence, right? really sweet. And well, you know, it, I really appreciate that. And I think we all have to, you know, find our inner beauty. And when we love ourselves on the inside, it glows on the outside. And when I was in college and I was a freshman, I didn't love myself on the inside. I was partying my butt off. I had started a fashion blog. I was like, basically had an eating disorder. I was trying to be all these things thinking that this is what I had to do to make it to New York, to work in fashion and like have a really cool life, quote unquote. And in the race for that, I was also thrown into this environment, which was 
a, a school that I was super lucky to get into, but it was just a completely different universe. Like I had never seen the things, the people, the experiences that this world brought together. And some of them were beautiful, but others of them were really dark. And I myself got on this very destructive path of work hard, play hard, party, get straight A pluses, but then also like party till 2 a.m. and you know, not take care of my body, not eat and be obsessed with my social media followers because I was going to be a fashion blogger and that was going to be my thing. And I was obsessed with social media and I experienced a lot of positives of it. I mean, I started paying my bills with it. I learned about affiliate marketing, SEO, SEM, learning how to even create my own fashion pins and have improved my SEO on Pinterest so that they could get more visibility. Like those are all things that I was teaching myself. And Looking back on it, it taught me about digital marketing. But the dark side of that was the part that no one saw. And it was, you know, this girl that was crying in her dorm room, really felt alone, you know, quite honestly, was struggling to even like eat the right foods for her body. And the world didn't see that. They saw the side that I shared and they saw me going and going to fashion week. And then I just had a breakdown and it all kind of crumbled because that wasn't really who I was. I wasn't living my truth, which is what I want to talk about today with you, by the way. I was, uh, I was stuck in this world that I created for myself in this digital space. And, you know, the digital world started to constrict me rather than expand my vision and my joy and my happiness. And that's when I realized I'm only sharing half the story. And I know I'm not the only one doing this. And I know I'm not the only young person struggling with social media and mental health, but we just got to figure out a healthier way through. And I made it my own personal mission to do that. And when you were this like early freshman person, fresh person, yeah. were um, did you have an awareness about mental health? Like what was your relationship with mental health understanding at that point? You know, I don't think anyone ever talked about mental health with me. And when I was a sophomore in high school, I almost ended my own life um, as a result of my struggles with depression, which I didn't even know what that was until I hit rock bottom. And because period, when I hear you talking yeah. also about the SEO and SEM, I'm like, oh, anxiety. I mean, just like, yeah. it's yeah. so familiar to me, which is the yeah. person high functioning anxiety. You can do everything. Yeah. I'm making it happen. Like, I feel like as you're describing it, I'm like shortness of breath because I can so relate to that. And I have been there so many times. So I was just curious going into it, if you were sort of aware of this about yourself. I, or- I knew that I was sick, but I didn't know what to do. And there were times I remember as a senior in high school, going into college where I kind of just wish that someone would come and be like, okay, you're not okay. Like you right. look really sick. You are, you know, you're crying every weekend. You're not spending time with your friends. Like I was just begging for someone to come in and sweep me off my feet and do something. And it wasn't until I was a sophomore in college when my RA who mm. was in pre-med did that for me. And she said, Oh, wow. Life. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so after, so you actually had a suicide attempt, you said. Yeah. Well, that was in, when I was a sophomore in high school, I was, I didn't actually do it, but I was like, Thinking about it, making plans. I wrote letters. Like Mm -hmm. I'd actually like given letters to some, you know, a very good friend of mine. And I think I left one for my parents. I don't know if they ever saw it. That was like, I'm in a really bad place and I don't know what to do. And I still to this day try to find the letter because I really want it, but I just don't know where it is. And Mm. it was probably on like a Microsoft, I don't know, like (laughs) the first computer of all time. Um, (laughs) But yeah, that was it. And, And it was just, it was tough. And I think at the end of the day, it's a choice to save yourself because mental health is an active 
it's when you're sick, you can't save yourself sometimes, but if someone can help you get the support, you can, you can save yourself if you want to commit to it. And I think it just opened my eyes to the role of advocacy and advocating for others and not even just advocating for the world, but for the person right next to you, whether it's your friend or your colleague or your teacher or your parent, because you just never know what someone's going through. What do you think helped you get from sophomore year of high school to sophomore year of college where you finally met the RA who helped you? Like, was that just grit or like, what was that that helped you get there? Honestly, inspiration. I have been someone that has been inspired almost every day of my life. And my mom remembers me as that, that young girl. I was always like, I want to start that. Like I started a flower headband business and I wanted to create this flower book. You know, I was, cause you know, I took pain in my life and turned it into passion and inspiration. And I had lost a friend who was a family friend from cancer at a young age. And I, at that point I became obsessed with like, how do I help kids with cancer? And so I'd made all, I literally would wear like a gigantic flower crowns, like so big where my family was embarrassed. Like I have to find a visual because I'm like, I can't believe I wore this. I was kind of like, go me totally going against the grain, but it was straight up flower child. And, um, you know, I had all these art projects. I would produce shows and things like that. And that was at a young age, but when I was in college, inspiration kept me going too. And the internet did in a lot of ways. I was actually really inspired by the fashion and the art side of it. That was at the beginning of the blogger era and reward style. And I loved learning and I loved creativity. And I was like, well, I can take creativity, entrepreneurship, and like make money when I'm in college and have money to do things like this is cool without having to go show up at an office, which not my thing, um, <laughs> and work at like a store. I was like, I'm just going to sell the clothes or buy them and return them and get commission. And so for me, it was like this one giant project and I had lots of internships and I loved reaching out to people and learning and just seeing where my life could take me. And I think you can still be in pain, but experience inspiration. So many of us, yes, in a lot of ways, the most amazing artists in the world, yes, left so many of them that we've lost due to mental illness, but we have they almost, you know, we we benefit from their pain because their pain drives their inspiration. Yes. And that's kind of like the pain pleasure principle, which I'm you know really interested in as well, is that sometimes you have to experience both sides to understand what it really feels like. So yeah, it's 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 interesting. And I think life happens in that way. And I always say, you know, sometimes the brightest lights experience the darkest nights. And I, you know, I was one of them. And I'm someone that has struggled with that a lot in my life. And when inspiration comes from a place that also can be, and this maybe is your pain pleasure, but when it comes from a place that actually has a lot of downside as well, like how do you find or are you always working to and how helping yeah. others to find the place where you're getting the good stuff, but not tipping over into the darkness? Yeah. Well, that is really a practice and a training. And I think that that was that moment in my life where I kind of came to this, I came to this sort of turning point and in, in a place where I had a really toxic relationship with technology at, at one point. And part of that was because I had a mental illness mixed with a very complicated relationship with technology and technology similar to alcohol can sometimes exacerbate the feelings that we have. Like if we're depressed, sometimes we can feel more depressed. Uh, if we're not careful about how we're consuming and how we're engaging and with tech, I had to train myself and really think about how am I going to use this 
for more of the good stuff rather than the bad stuff. But I didn't have those tools. And the most fascinating thing was, even though I went to the PCC, the psychiatrist, all these people, they asked me, well, what do you consume in your life? Do you consume alcohol? Do you consume drugs? What do you eat? No one ever asked me about technology. Mm. They didn't say, who are you following? Or how much time are you spending on your phone a day? Well, you know, it's probably a problem if you're spending 10 hours a day, you're sitting in your bed and you're not doing anything. That Mm. might be why you're not working out, not talking to anyone and not going to class. Um, And I had to really like reshift my mind through quite literally taking CBT practices that I had to use for like the way that I felt about myself and breathing and meditation and apply that to technology. And like to the point where it was literally Lars, why are you getting on your phone right now? And what are you doing here? Mm, like like you, you just here? crafted that yourself. No one was like helping you no, understand that. No. You were just like, this is what I need to, this is yeah. the area. And I've always been a goal-oriented person in that way and have really fallen in love with systems and how do we design our life to support our goals? And so I had to do a lot. I had to design my digital space to succeed. I had to design my physical space to succeed. I have not had, fun fact, I've not had a TV since I lived at home in high school. So that's a really fun fact. I have no large screens in my house and I haven't since I was in high school. Um, But then I also had to redesign my life and just think about, you know, how am I using this to fuel inspiration rather than dim it? How am I using this to uh, find community? And I did that through half the story. And Mm -hmm. at a certain point, you know, instead of going on Instagram and looking at stupid models and doing that, I was like, no, I'm talking to people in Paris and you know, all over the world, going on Google Translator, having conversations. I remember when the Paris bombings happened, I, you know, Skyped a girl a week after and I'm like, so this is what the news said. Uh, What's your point of view? You know, what, how's your mental health? Like, you know, and it was just amazing because I got to get outside of my own head and my own problems and just talk to young people all over the world, like totally guerrilla style. And I realized that technology sometimes creates walls and we try to create these perfect experiences and lives. And at the end of the day, we're all just people with hearts and minds and emotions. And when you boil it down to that and you experience people in their rawest form, you know, it it makes it, it makes it seem like we're all in this together and with each other and in a place of community rather than competition and, you know, just feelings of isolation. One thing that I love so much about your work is I really feel like it takes on the status, sort of the establishment in a, in a very sort of unintentional way, just because again, like if everyone is focused on just these very obvious mainstream considerations, you're like, wait, there's this whole other world over here. Like, how are we talking about this? How are we, and just making it so much more realistic and immediate and grounded in how we talk about mental health. And I'm wondering how you, what you see, do you think of yourself as like the new guard or like, how do you, do you, how do you think of the establishment or whatever? Oh, geez. Um, the establishment in terms of mental health under, I would say, or yeah, I would say mental health, like, like, an understanding of what mental health is, um, like what contributes to it, how it is seen by Mm -hmm. sort of, um, the world. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're at a really challenging time, right? I, in a positive way, there's pluses and minuses. Since seven years ago, when half the story started, 
we're talking about mental health on social media, it was before anyone did. And we were using the term digital wellness, digital well-being. I remember there was a surfer in Australia, Asno O'Neill, that got off social media like the week after I started half the story. And people were like, oh my God, you're never going to get a job. I was like, well, who cares? Because <laughs> I'm an entrepreneur, so whatever. Um, it was like, oh, you're not going to get a job. Like, I remember my family was like kind of worried about it. They're like, are you, have you totally lost your mind? Um, and there's a lot of stigma, but now we're at this point in our world where we've almost moved through this stigma and we're at a point where I don't, because there's so much awareness about it, the way we talk about it and the way we use it in our marketing and our companies, even in our influencer culture has such, we have such large responsibilities with platforms. And that means everyone that means in, in this delta of change, right? It's the government, it's the tech leaders, and then it's the creators and then the consumers that are really sitting in the middle. Um, and I think right now the world is a little bit confused because we have all of these forces. We have climate change that's impacting this. We have mental health and isolation and all these things. And at the end of the day, it's hard to, you can't fix everything, but tech has certainly like I said, exacerbated a lot of the feelings that we have as a result of the state of our world, which we can't change everything. And I think my my problem with mental health right now is that the media and fake news and Twitter and all of these, you know, shock culture platforms that exist share information that isn't always the most true. And the information that's getting the most engagement is getting shared the most widely. And that's why I loved when Pinterest was like, you know what, we're nipping climate misinformation in the butt because we have moved into a world where it's more important to get attention than it is to be truthful. And it's more important to be liked than it is to be respected because that's what we are as these digital commodities. But it's so much deeper than that. And the same thing is we can't just say all screen time is bad. Like actually all screen time is not created equal. And we can't just be creating these like blanket statements because it's so nuanced. And I think that's my challenge is that like right now, everyone wants to pick a side, but I think what we really need is more people talking together to get to the root of this and to stop creating so many blanket statements that then contribute to the problem. Thank you for articulating an answer. I feel like my question was not as specific. That is like clear. And yet you like completely got where I was going with it. And you like, really, thank you. You really, um, nailed where, I mean, everything for me is seeing so much polarization and simplicity, like oversimplicity of everything. And it, it, it is, it's a tough one. Yeah. And I I I, also too, I was just going to say something about that because I think, and this is something that I haven't really spoken about is that as an activist and a leader, it's a little bit challenging because I know what my position is. But at the end of the day, when someone has the pen to paper and it's pressed on the other side, you know, they paint me in whatever way they want. And I want people to see me as someone that sees both sides and sees both sides of the story and will always fight for children, you know, to be protected and to have policies that protect the world. But I in no way am at war with technology because our relationship to tech is our closest thing. The closest thing to that to me is our relationship with food. At this point, we Mm. need it to survive. It's just how we consume it, you know, whether we share it with others or, you know, whether we have a positive relationship or a negative relationship, it's nuanced. 
for a lot of people, it's not something you're born with and it's impacted by our cultural, our environmental and our, so our socioeconomic settings. And so I think, you know, with that, it's also just important for anyone when you are consuming media and news, especially in the cancel culture that we live in, that there's always more sides to the story and that unfortunately media and editors are not incentivized to always share yes. that full truth. Oh, I could not agree more. Yeah. You're here. Completely agree. Um, earlier you said, this is something I want to get into. And I think it was about, I think it was about sort of understanding who you are and how to get back to it. Is that true? What yeah. is it that you wanted to mostly talk What What did you want to talk about? So, okay. So there's for, if you ever speak to people on my team and I'll start doing this when we have Pinterest meetings, I think I did it in real life, but I start most meetings with the question of what's your truth today. And my mantra in life is live your truth. Like, and, and that is it. And I will be saying that. I hope that's on like my tombstone one day, who knows. Right. And I think so many of us, like the reason why I wanted to talk about living our truth and living our true self is that in this digital world, so many things, there's so many things getting in the way of our everyday lives that steer us away from our truth and who we are. But at the end of the day, if you don't tap into that, you're not happy. Like you can feel it in your bones. If you're living your truth, if you're in a job where you're not living your truth, you're sick. If you're, you know, there's, it's all of that. And so I just want to talk about, talk about living your truth and like also what that means in different phases of life, because Meredith, you've, Still, you found a way. And one of the things I admire most about you is like, you have an amazing job at Pinterest, but they've also been so supportive of your book. And like, you have this podcast, you have a daughter, you have a family and you have a dog and you know, you have all these roles in your life. And I think you live your truth to me and what I think is inspiring in that you're not just like, I'm Meredith and I do this thing. You're like, I'm Meredith. And these are all the things I freaking love. And I'm doing them because that's living my truth. And so I think people need that. People need to be inspired because it's really hard in this day and age. And I just wanted to talk about it. I love that topic so much. And I'm very honored by your words. I will say that there is one word that comes to mind when I think about myself and living my truth, which is maybe not the word that you might anticipate. It's awkwardness. I allow awkwardness to enter the room and like welcome it to sit on my lap in a way that I don't think a lot of people are comfortable doing. And frankly, I'm not always comfortable with it, but I, it has served me so well over the past seven years that now it's becoming second nature. And I see that it always seems to lead to good things. So for example, if I'm like, Ooh, I didn't ask my question as well, but she answered it. Like, I'm like, just say it, just say you didn't ask your question as well, but she answered it so well. Like, it's just, there's something about just acknowledging and it probably is your same thing. Like what's your truth, but like, it's not always just a beautiful, perfect package, but it's getting to the point now, Lars, where awkwardness or seeing other people like sort of moving into that space makes me feel close to them. Like that yeah. is what I, what makes, what is my bridge and people who yeah. aren't or who like, present a facade to me. I'm just like, I'm not, I don't know time. <laughs> I'm moving yeah. on. And honestly, that's great because you, you know, by having that and welcoming that you're only letting people into your space that can harness that and be yeah. cool. With that. Um, but also, and I used to, this is another fun fact. So I used to be an actress when I was little, I did oh second city. 
improv. Like I was in another life, I would have been an actress, but this whatever. does not surprise me actually. I was but a okay. nerd. I was a nerd. I had this crossroads. I was like between, I got into a performing arts school and then, you know, another school. And I was like, I'm either going to go be an actress and go performing arts, or I'm going to be a nerd and like go all the way. Cause that's who I am. So I had the nerd versus actress went with the nerd path, but now those skills come into play. Oh, and definitely. One of, the, one of the things that I learned in that, in my acting was that silence is the most powerful and most challenging part of being an actor. So silence, you know, when, when you're doing a skit, um, you know, those moments of pause and silence are really, really powerful because those are the moments that the audience feels something. That's the moment where everyone has to kind of grapple with that. And to me, you know, the awkwardness is almost like it has that same power. Um, and I think we in this world and I too, someone is like, I'm like the anxious, awkward person that's like, ha ah, yeah, I totally messed that up. And like, you know, you don't know who the receiver is going to be, but I think we need to channel more of that in our companies and our homes and our spaces and just, you know, awkwardness and honesty and also just silence and, and not knowing it's okay. Not to say, knowing. I don't know. Um, <laughs> and that's something that I think even too, as a humbly, just somewhat like being okay with saying that being like, I don't know, but this is where I see this. And I, I do know that that vision and that path is there, but I don't know what those obstacles could be or, you know, what it could or couldn't work. So I love that you shared that. And that's, what I love about you. You're just like, honest. I feel like I don't know what on it or awkward is probably not a company value at Pinterest, but I, feel I mean, like here's honest, what I will say. And I was going to yeah. mention this is that, um, you never know. I don't think I'm for everyone. Like for some people I'm really for them, but like, I'm not for everyone, but I think part of that is like being pretty informal and, and, um, allowing awkwardness in and I have been pleasantly surprised that there are people that I would definitely think I would. And maybe part of it is getting older. Maybe yeah. I'm not like threatening in the same way or so. Like, it's okay. It's like more acceptable for me to just be myself in my forties. I don't know, but I'm much more, I feel very embraced yeah. for these traits that I have. And I'm so grateful. Like I'll push, I push back on a lot of stuff um, that I disagree with and in conversations. And now people are getting to the point where they're like, oh, we know what Meredith's going to say, but it's, but I am so grateful because that's like being allowed or like sort of allowing yourself to go those places. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that that's, I think that's the liberation of getting old. Too. Yes. Um, I think I told you I've spent a lot of time during the pandemic with this amazing 88 year old. And yes. I haven't really had someone that's been like a close friend. And in that was that age. And it, it's just like you're hanging out with your friend. You're not thinking about age. It's like age disintegrates. And by spending that much time with him, I'm just like, it's kind of awesome. You get older and you're like, I don't care. You're like, <laughs> this is who I am. So I'm like, oh God, I'm really not going to care at that point. I'm going to be like, woo. I mean, you've already come so far and you're, you're an old soul now, but you're right. It's only, it's only going to be more so, and it is a complete gift. And, you know, I'm aware that it's takes a lot of maneuvering and there are other traits like extroversion and ability to communicate that like have to go along with it to make it work. But, um, but I do think that that question of like, 
where are you honestly? For example, I have a cold right now. I caught it from Alice. She's homesick right now too. Earlier I was in a meeting and I just went into meetings with camera off, but I just quickly turn on the camera and I'd be in bed and I would just show like my eyes and forehead in my bed. And I'd be like, just so everyone knows I'm here, but this is what's happening here. And it always seems to make people it's other people start to loosen up. You know what I mean? They start to do it. It's just, you kind of need to, it's been oh, easier, you and have easier to. for you to forge that. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And that's why I love that question because I'm like, all right, we're all on zoom. I'm like, what do you come? Did you just like explode coffee on your computer? Right. Like, where are we? Like yesterday yes. I was sitting down for like a fundraising call right prior to it. I had a LaCroix that exploded on my face, like <laughs> all over my shirt. And I just got on the call. I'm like, I just want to let you know that I just exploded a LaCroix all over <laughs> me. So, so brilliant. You're wondering why I have water in my face. Yeah, like, I'm glistening. It is sitting <laughs> on the ground. So just so you know, like, you know, if I'm a, if I'm a what? This, I made it rain with LaCroix, but I'm super oh pumped God. to dive in today. That's amazing. And, you know, people just need to, people need to also loosen up. I think, you know, that that's a big thing. Tapping into play and creativity. Yes. And I talked about this with you before, but play, you can't look at mental health on one end and playing creativity. Oh, I agree. Agree. And agree. That's like a big part of it to me too, is like, why don't we just like mental health doesn't always have to be always I know. Right? to me. It's like, like and even if it fun. is mental illness, there's like the, again, that's the creativity and the yeah. inspiration. Like there is so that's such a rich story and there's a lot of humor in there and there's a lot of pain and like all those things can go together in really interesting ways. Just as a, reader. I'm just like, give me more. That is like humanity. You know, I just want more. And that's why um, I love comedians who uh, me too. Like to talk about mental health because, me it's too. Like, you know, it, it, it's like I said, the brightest lights have the darkest nights. A lot. Of I mean, Maria that, Bamford, she's yeah. like a gift to us all. I know. Um, do you, um, what was I going to ask you? It was about what, if you could sort of ha- change people's minds about technology or have them thinking differently in some way, mm-hmm. the people who are listening to this, what would you encourage them to do? Well, I think the first, the first, uh, the first, where we begin is we need to rewrite the story. I think the story that we're told is that tech controls us, that tech is a bad thing and that we're all going to be addicted for the rest of our lives. And in some ways, yes, you know, there are certain platforms out there that do not design their algorithms for inspiration and to protect people and to stop the spread of misinformation. But it is your choice as an individual to empower yourself and commit to digital well-being. It is not something that happens overnight. It is not going to happen by just taking a day off of technology. You have to rewire your mind in the same way that you rewire your morning routine or a fitness journey. And I think that's the big story that we're all, it just starts there. It's like, it's your choice and it starts with intention and quite literally rewiring your brain. I love that. I love that so much. One thing that I'm always amazed by is how quickly you formulate really thoughtful responses to things that are happening. Like Elon Musk, you'll be like Twitter, you're there. Like anything that comes out, you're just like within 10 minutes, you're like, let me give you a really thoughtful, informed take on this and how to think about this. Is that just because you are always 
you have your sort of framework that you're always growing and thinking about? Like, where does that come from? Well, it's fascinating you ask about that because the, and I will say my, my secret to that is Google alerts. So I get Google alerts every day with all the breaking news and mental health technology and youth. So I basically go to my email and I'm like, okay, what's happening today? Cool. I'm going to make a video about it because I realize you're so good at it, Lars. Like every time I'm like, she is on the Vanguard. Like, this is what people are talking about. This is what they're thinking about filters. Like the second we start talking about facial filters, you're like really thoughtful response to it. Well, thank you. And I think for me too, as a leader or whatever I am person creator, I had to also really think about this during the pandemic of like, what is my role in this digital space? Because we use technology to reach people. And to me, half the story's job is to, I mean, for me personally, I can have a little bit more of my own response and thought, but Half the story is about showcasing, at least from a media perspective, how young people are feeling about what's happening. But my own personal profile as a leader is like, you know, I want people to understand that this is something that you can talk about, that you can talk about it in 10 seconds and that, you know, this is relatable and that we have to look at all sides to these stories. Because again, we're just fed headlines and people get stressed and what are we going to do? So I'm trying my best to to really use social media to inform people as opposed to just like post pictures of me, you know, doing cool things or like, you know, making art. And that's been a really great way for me to intentionally use it because I'm like, I'm reading the news. I'm sometimes I'll write out my thoughts if it's like a more provocative thing, but other times I'll just say, all right, I've got 15 minutes to make a video and I'm doing it. Bam. And like, that's how much time I take probably 15 to 20 minutes a day. And I just throw it up and I move on. So good. <laughs> And I'm like, whatever, you know, um, and that, that was, I think a big part of it is like, how am I going to show up on social media? Like, well, I guess this is the best thing I could do to help. Um, and it's fun. Like, you know, there's so, and it's, it's funny to see how people respond and sometimes you get trolls, sometimes you get, you know, all sorts of things. And I'm just like, all right, cool. Lay it out. Um, but even more so, I just love hearing from teens and what they have to say about it. And like, they have amazing voices. And so we're trying to put a lot more of our teen ambassadors on our uh, platforms this year too. And oh, cool. I just love it. I just love hearing what young people have to say. Like this yesterday, one of our teens, I wrote in our um, community group and I was like, Hey, I'm sure you, I don't know if anyone saw the news, but you know, I want one of you guys to speak on this. What do you think about how is this going to impact your mental health? And I get this like amazing video. He's like, just got back from school one minute. Let me send this to you. I'm like, I'm like, wow, this is powerful. Wow. Um, so look, there's more, more to come, but we all have to live our truth, speak our truths and just stay informed because there's so much happening. I'm like every day there's a new, a new thing to talk about in this world. Um, and I know that you, you know, you're on top, you're on top of it too. And you all are really, you're trying to be on the right side of it in every aspect of your life. And it's hard. It's hard uh, nowadays with, you know, purpose and profit and having all of those things come together, um, which, yeah, I love to learn. There's, there's so much to learn about this space every day. I'm learning. So me too. I, and I learned so much from you and I am so grateful to you in so many ways. Like, I just feel like you're a rising star and I can't wait to see just all the growth and change. Like even since I first met you and now I'm like, Oh, she's on the today show. Of course she's over here. She's over. I mean, it's just so clear. And 
I love seeing it because those are the voices I want to hear. Like that's like true insight. Well, it means so much to me. And I, I just, I laugh a lot at this because today feels like day one, but I'm also on year seven. I know. Um, I get it. And, by the way, me too. I'm year and, seven. You and I yeah. must have started our thing in the same year. I think mine was did. 2015. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. And it's, you get it because you laugh and people are like, oh my God, like you're killing it. You're doing this, you're doing that. And you're like, oh my God, you're seven like seven years in and I'm still just beginning. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. And, and I just, I think I just feel really blessed and lucky be like, I know that this is what my calling is and yeah. I'm going to be doing this. Like, hopefully I always say, I want to be like Gloria Steinem style. Yes. Like, so the day I die, I want to be doing this work. And, um, so good. Yeah. And you got, you've just been such a champion for me. And like, I'm I, so happy. it means so much because you don't get anywhere alone. Um, you yeah. get because of the people that open doors and say your name in a room and get behind crazy visions. And, um, it's taken a while to be able to get to this point, to make some of this magic a reality. And you've played yes. that and the Yay. world is ready for it now or never. Um, thank you. You are, you are incredible. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you.